AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today on the show, we have Mo Mubarak, who is a co-founder at Mo Berries. Uh, Mo, great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you very much, Anthony. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with quality people. So Mo, tell us a little bit about Mo Berries, about you, the journey you've been on, uh, finding, setting up the business, and then the goals that Mo Berries has as a business and providing to your clients. Yeah, so uh, Mulberries breaks down into two business fields. Number one is we have our marketplace, which is our shared talent network. Our, our mission and our vision is to be the world's largest shared talent network. Why does that matter is that we want to use the computational power of all hiring companies to be able to teach a neural network on how to hire candidates better, more effectively. So we render feedback on transactions, what we call hiring transactions, of why a candidate wasn't hired, and to leverage that to help that candidate find a job. So. We use that computational power, the feedback, to help candidates find jobs because there's nothing more frustrating than entering the workforce and not understanding why the workforce isn't accepting you. So we look at any of the jobs that you've applied for in our system and we understand why you weren't hired and we use that feedback to retarget you in real time to real jobs. It's not a job board where you just apply and you shoot like a bazooka and hope that something comes back. You're really applying to real managers who need you and every day about 85% of our customer base is logging in and tagging profiles. So they're teaching a system on how to hire essentially. On the, on the other side of the business, what we offer is really um, a 365 hiring solution so we can integrate our sourcing into any pre-existing applicant tracking system. So it will take your unneeded candidates and redistribute them in the marketplace, helping you monetize them to make the money back and also at the same time helping the candidate. Uh, number two, we offer shared talent networks where we go to some of the largest markets in the world, whether it be Luxembourg, Qatar, who are really striving to innovate for the next 10, 20 years. And we set them up networks that leverage what this feedback is. It's called experience data. XM data is one of the fastest growing market categories. Um, even here, what I'll tell you is uh, insight data or driven is ins- customer insight driven business is going to be 1.2 trillion in, by 2022. It's just customer insight driven business will be about 1.2 trillion. That's the size of the market by 2020, actually. Wow. That's the market. So XM, XM data, the field that we operate, experience management, um, is about, it's going to be by 2022, it's going to be a $14.7 billion market. Right. The reason why we look at this is because a lot of people aren't understanding one thing. And you, you come from a market where you're seeing this is everybody and their mother now overnight can launch an HR company or a headhunting company. But in the end of the day, is this, is, this requires experience. You need to know your customer base, your customer set. But what we're really focused on is using the experience data to understand why transactions aren't happening. Like you, you want to break into the marketplace or you need to be reskilled. You need to be retrained. Where is there a demand for you? Um, what are the courses that you need to take to improve your CV or improve your skill set to make you a transactable person in the marketplace? We see ourselves as like a sports agent, but for regular people. So just like what a football agent do or your favorite kind of athlete or actor, what their agent would do with them, our technology is supposed to do for regular people. Okay, that's really good. It's really insightful. It's definitely something that 
I'm very passionate about. I think, I think we take our candidates on a similar journey, uh, interview preparation, interview debriefs, definitely sharing feedback as well. Because whether we place them or not, we want to help them get a job anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to us when or where. At the end of the day, we were discussing this prior, it was we're in the business of people and we shouldn't forget that, right? And so technology and AI, that'll help you improve the set of relationships that you have. But at the end of the day, we say that high tech should help you still be high touch, right? And so for us is, I don't concern myself, I think you hear this a lot too, where we only work with the top 10% of candidates or whatever. Well, we both know in our industry that that's bullshit because there's two scenarios here. The top 10% of candidates either already have a trusted recruiter that's brought them in there and he's known that person or she's known that person since the journey began and that's their go-to person, they're probably not going to some type of platform. Number two, the top 10% of people already usually have a job offer before they leave. So I'm looking at the 90% and I'm looking at the lower end. I'm looking at people who've worked in manufacturing. People, I'm looking at reformed criminals, people who want to break into the marketplace, people who come from lower income. I'm looking at new immigrants. I'm looking at women in certain marketplaces, right? But I don't need to go around on stage and, and really and really shove this, this liberal porn of we're working with this and that person. We want to cover the whole marketplace and make it accessible and transactable for every person. And the best way to do that is to understand how the market looks at them, why aren't they breaking in, and what they need to do to match the criteria of somebody because there is always demand. People will tell you that there's not enough jobs or AI is taking up jobs, but if you look at artificial intelligence and the reports that are coming out, you have 58 million jobs that are going to be created just by AI alone by 2022. So I can give you a list of jobs that like they exist, and I've listed them here, that are going to be created and they're going to be proliferated. I think it's uh, it's not going to take jobs, it's going to add positions. Yes. It's going to take away more mundane manual functions. Thank you. But it's going to create a lot more opportunities. So it's more if people are unwilling to scale up, uh, that's where they're probably at the most danger. Uh, I, I agree there, but this isn't something that we haven't faced already in humanity, in, in history. Whether we look at the, the late 80s, we had a technology boom then. Even if we look at the all of the industrial revolutions we went through, it took away crappy jobs. Nobody, I don't know anybody, and please correct me if you're wrong, because maybe I'm wrong here, right? I don't know anybody who goes to school and when they ask them, what's your dream job? It's to work in retail. My dream job is to work customer service, right? Nobody said that. That wasn't anybody's answer. So these are jobs that will, be, that will be automated and sent to a certain level, but then they will open up new opportunities. Because I believe technology will allow humans to live human, right? To live that human element. We're not built to sit at a desk for 30, 50 years of our lives, 30, 40, 50, whatever amount of years you want to keep working, right? The skill though becomes is how do we build AI that's ethical? And that's probably something we'll get into. Yeah, I think uh, something quite interesting on that as well. The companies who are actually using, I suppose you say, more autonomous technology um, in Europe, leading it would be like Germany, France, and uh, UK. They actually have lower levels of unemployment than countries using less. Yes. For so the likes of Spain, where it's above ten percent, and the likes of Germany, where I think it was below three or four uh, as a total. So like that was that's massive, and it's clear to see that it's not taking their jobs. Because there's less unemployment there than where there's less machines. This is this has become a fear mongering um, problem that's being pushed by politicians and startups, 
that are trying to find their fit into the marketplace. Like uh, I pulled up a stat that might be very interesting for you. So Ronald Reagan, he actually did a reskilling program from 19 from 1982 to from about 1984. He announced it in 1982, which was the Training Partnerships Act to 1998. They spent over three billion dollars on retraining people for that level when the economy, the American economy had reached that level of automation. And what they found was the biggest problem was the people, why it wasn't working was the people in the lowest income tier, they didn't know about it. And they weren't getting access to the reskilling. So I would say that even in these countries, why Germany I think is very successful is because um, we are scared because our production, our manufacturing, I say this all the time, when I go and I meet these startup people and I say, shame on you guys, you know, you're going and you're pitching AI and this and that, but this country was built on the workers, the manufacturing, those guys' backs. They're the ones that put us in the state. They, they made us the engine of Europe. They made us one of the number one economies in the world. And we just simply act like, oh yeah, your job's gone. It's automated. That's cool, bro. We owe it to these people to reskill them and put them back into the marketplace. So tell me a little bit more about how the Mulberry's product works in terms of technology, how it is, how it is taught it and trained it. <clears throat> That's actually really cool. Um, so we, the first thing you have to do is look at, we have three stakeholders. Right? Number one stakeholder is our candidate. The number two stakeholder is our recruiter, right? And the number three stakeholder is any type of partner that we have. The number one thing about how it works is that we've set something up called a neural network. Um, what a neural network is in machine learning or for later skills, whatever you want to get into later, which is probably gonna be deep learning or whatever, a neural network learns off of the candidate's interactions, right? Off of every interaction that's happening on the platform. What happens with us is that a candidate comes onto our platform, we understand why they were not hired, and then it makes them from jobs that are actually live. It makes them suggestions. Based on how that candidate interacts with those suggestions, it then tailors the results, right? The one thing we know is because, especially in startups, there's a lot of non-traditional roles for people that have a traditional background. For example, you work 10 years in sales, you're like, I'm done with the grind, I wanna work in marketing now, I understand that, I wanna to move to that direction. I, the, the salespeople I love the most are born and bred, they stay in there the whole life, but that's not the case with everybody else. Traditionally, what we don't talk about is sales is usually the easiest entry point into the business world, because it's a job that a lot of people are scared of, they don't wanna do, and then there's a lot of my friends who entered sales, it wasn't by choice, right, it was by need. So we take that and we understand based on those interactions. Then what, that's the first level of interactions, the suggested interaction, and then it scans the basic, the semantic understanding of the CV, the background, and then we give different levels of scoring based on what we understand, like how we've done something like stochastic um, analysis to say, okay, this person, um, based on historical data we have and data that's currently transacting on the platform, where could they be a, an ideal fit? And then what we do is we, we generate the matches and then we help our recruiters who are then are, they're provided that match because it's all fully GDPR compliant. So the candidate needs to accept what was offered to them. The recruiter who then sees the match, they label it, is it a false positive, is it a false negative, whatever, is it right, is it this and that. And then we, we look at the accept and the decline levels on that. And then that helps teach our system directly. Um, that also goes in into the candidates and how they react to the different jobs and the different companies. Like there's certain times that I just look at certain companies and they look really sexy, but they don't, their job descriptions aren't structured properly. They've just copied and pasted them off of a website like Indeed, they've done this and that. So we look at those interactions and we understand from the candidate and we leverage that to then really uh, improve the matching cycle over time. Okay, so it's, it's bringing in, as you said, it, it can 
make human life a lot easier, can give more time to humans, more real feedback. Where else do you see, I suppose, technology, AI coming in to impact the human life? What's the trends? What's happening? What levels of automation do you think we'll see maybe in our lifetime? So in, in my lifetime, like one of the stats that's really interesting to me is that I even put this down here was about 48% of the automotive industry is, out, is pretty much going to be automated already, probably within the next five to six years, right? So that's one thing that we're looking at there. Um, also, what I'm looking at is, is too, is the, the demographic numbers. What I really is scared of is like you have now the rise of populism um, in certain parts of the world, and that's been driven by actually in manufacturing in these small towns where traditionally they've been steeped by either retail jobs or manufacturing jobs, um, those are being automated directly. So any form of production, any place where you see about 87% of the actual uh, companies that are surveyed in, the, in this World AI report, um, what they talk about is they see AI as an advantage to save on cost and time. So I think anywhere in the value chain that you can really streamline and you can eliminate a human from it um, will be automated. Right? So I'm looking at customer service. One of the fields that's really interesting to me is finance. Right? A lot of us went to school thinking, okay, when I, when I leave, I'm going to go onto Wall Street and that's where I'm going to get rich. And that's gonna, I think the golden age of getting rich on Wall Street is, is going to, I would say those pockets of people are going to decrease. Right? And what you're going to see is finance has become radically automated. And you see that right now with all the technologies in accounting, all the technologies that are predictive, even the technologies pretty much with cash collection. Uh, debt collection, all these things, that's one field. Um, I look at medical, I think that in medical preventative, preventative medicine um, is, is something where we can use big data and we can use machine learning to be able to better understand. For example, at John Hopkins University, they have a lot of pilots that they're doing um, where if you have cancer, for example, certain type of cancer, they will collect data from around the world of people who have similar kind of profile to you and look at all of the outcomes for the doctor to decide what could potentially be the best treatment course for us. So I, I really see it, it's steeping into everywhere. The best example I'll give you is that when we sit at a pub with our friends or we sit somewhere and we talk about either like the UFC or we talk about our favorite football team or whatever, in your arguments are steeped in stats. Say so this guy has this many assists a game, he has this many knockouts, he has this many views, this and that. We are entering the age where anything that can be like numerate, uh, like measured numerically, we can apply that to our whole lives and everything in our job. That's why you see the rise of KPIs and internal performance metrics and feedback and this and that so that we can understand how do managers perform? How are this and that? So I, I'm looking at technology, but I'm looking at the influence of how this is impacting our daily lives. So I have a question for you. This is a yeah. personal interest question for me. And I can personally see, you know, checkouts, uh, shops, yeah. potentially being gone in a couple of years. Now, I would 100%, even if they have machines reloading the shelves, that's fine. I still want humans there because I hate, I would like that money to go in and be invested on dedicated sales staff around Can the I, floor to give you help. So, I'm very different than the regular people that you'll meet. So, I'll give you an example. The average person you'll meet will tell you retail is dying, right? But I think boutique retail is on the rise. So where you can generally open like a store and hire 200 employees like a large Sears, which was a dying giant in North America now, this, that, that's dying. But I think with XM data, this is why I'm so bullish on experience management and this whole field is you don't sell your product anymore. Your end product is your customer. 
So you say, it's not this pen that we sell, it's the person that we sell to, that's our product. That's the person we market. So we have to give them the best damn experience possible that they're gonna keep coming back to our stores. Like the stores that you'll see that is, is like Panera Bread, for example, when there was a market downturn, well, mainly because of how they handled cash or whatever, but they're opening up locations faster than anybody else. If you look at vintage, right, in the vintage marketplace, and I think uh, round two vintage in the US, where a lot of people are closing retail stores, round two is opening more retail stores than anything, right? If you look at the high luxury market, do you think luxury fashion is being hit like this? Never. No, because, because luxury is selling you, they, they never sold you the end product. What did luxury sell you? It sold you that we know you, we know women, you're a hardworking man, you're a hardworking woman, we know men, and what really class is, we know our customer, we're gonna sell you the experience. So I, I think everything's changing to that level, but then that requires a certain level of education and a certain level of training as well. Right? AI and these types of things, they're gonna help us improve a lot of things. Because at the end of the day, if it's, if it's done and executed properly with, a, with an element of focusing on the human, it should provide us all a better future. Okay, and then, so the influence, uh, another thing you mentioned, so on the XM data, you mentioned that how it's gonna really help people uh, and freelancers to create their USPs yeah. for the businesses. Um, and then you've talked about how, I suppose, how it's really effective in modern day because we're the millennials, we're the younger generation. What, what does it mean? How, how, how is the millennial let, let me, going? Let, yeah. me, let me explain to you an example of XM data, right? And if you guys really want to know more about this, I would look at why SAP. SAP is one of the most innovative companies in the world. Why? If you look at their merger and acquisitions and how they've transitioned over 20 years, it's like before they saw a threat arriving, they would acquire a company, right? And so they paid $8 billion for what was supposed to be one of the hottest IPOs of the year, which was Qualtrics. I'm just like a hound dog. You know, if you work in sales for long enough, you want, you're like a detective because you want to know where's this money? Why would you do this? Because that explains how to do sales. And that really feeds into the customer insights market of 1.2 trillion. So if you look at 8 billion right now, you know, like by 2020, if that's going, if that market is there, that's 8 billion is nothing. So the whole point is Qualtrics. So I'll give you an understanding. Qualtrics is simply a really well done version of what SurveyMonkey wanted to be and it's collecting that real-time feedback and it's all, it's integrated and it provides you a custom dashboard. Why am I telling you this when you bring up millennials? Let me give you an example. For example, in HR, we have operational data, right? In recruitment, we talk about time to hire. We talk about, we talk about um, our hiring rates. We talk about kind of our speed, how effective we are, all this operational data, how fill, full our funnel is, these types of things, right? And we, we put that into numerics. But do we ever really look at the next level of that? What's the candidate's feedback on the experience with the hiring manager? What's the candidate's feedback on that? And that's what the XM data is valuable for. An example that SAP even gives um, is, let me look at a hotel, a luxury hotel. Let's say it's in like Dubai or somewhere, right? The traditional thing when you want to be competitive as a hotel and you start to lose market share, what are the two traditional things people do? Cut staff. Cut staff, one. And then they invest millions into opening up a w expensive spa and, a, and like a five-star restaurant because that's going to push bookings, right? You have less overhead, right? You cut the staff and now you have, you have an attraction point. So this one hotel started to lose market share and they were traditionally going exactly what you said. Let's cut the staff. Let's train the guys that we have really well. And then let's open a spa. Let's open a restaurant that, that will rebrand them and that'll help us gain market share again. 
you know, by using the XM data and simply by at every point where they, their end customer, like I said, is their product, engaging with them and finding out why, they're losing market share because their booking process, their check-in and check-out process was a nightmare. People, it took too long, people didn't like it, people didn't like some of the, the way things were structured. They didn't need to invest millions in a spa or in a restaurant, right? Just not following the traditional data. It's just understanding who your core customer is. As soon as they started doing that, they fixed these checkout issues. They made things a little more streamlined. They provided more of a human experience, just like you in shopping, right? So where, where the other people would say, let's cut the staff, it'll bring our overheads down, but then you as the end customer, you're pissed, you're in the store and you're like, why can't anybody help me? I'm leaving, I'm going to the store I know. Exactly, <laughs> right? So that's how you stay competitive. It's that data is almost oversaturated, everything, and everybody gets so excited about it. But it's just like, you're making these inferences. Why don't we just take another level? And that's what I'm telling you is that customer insight data is so valuable because if you marry both of them together, you'll create a blue ocean. Cool, so that, that, that's a really, really good story. Um, I love that. I'm a big fan of customer experience. If you've ever heard of the story of Joshi at the Ritz, um, yeah. yeah, great story. Um, for those who don't know, Teddy gets lost at a, at a hotel. Uh, the son goes crazy over the Teddy and uh, the dad goes back two weeks later to get the Teddy. But during the two week break, they actually keep sending them pictures of the Teddy doing activities on the hotel. They went viral, hotel booked out for months and months. But that is about what's the product? The product there is the experience of, of, of that person, the son and his dad. That's our, that's our product. Like yeah. The other people would think our product is our, the niceness of our, the, the beauty of our beds, the beauty of our room. That is, that's tertiary to what you provide, right? That's expected and you're in a competitive marketplace. I mean, some of the times I go back to stores because of, I went to one of was in Boots uh, yeah. and I had a great experience with this yeah. guy behind the till. I think I had a long day out shopping and I was just so fed up and then this guy was just over nice. Yeah. I, I, literally, I, I was brightened up by that experience. I have a personal rule. If I spend 100 euros or 100 dollars or more, I need to build a relationship with the person. I need to know their name. I need to feel that I can recommend people for them for the next transactions, right? Because in life, everything we do, and again, this comes back to us, we're in the business of people. Right? And in the business of people, what we care about is relationships. That's where you're gonna make your next customer. Right? Every real estate agent who ever lived, ask him, who, where did you get your best customers from? Referral. Best recruiters, you'll ask them, where'd you get your best customer from? Recru uh, referrals. You gotta go to the best doctors in the world and they'll tell you, I don't need, I'm booked out. I get all my business from referrals. Lawyers, their best thing, referral. We're not in the business of selling products. Anybody who's done sales for a long time knows one thing. We're in the business of building relationships. Yeah. And so if I find quality, the best salespeople position you to be successful. And you know what? I know this speaking to every type of salesperson across any industry, the best salespeople usually go above and beyond the end product that they're selling you. They're that shoulder you cry on. They're that person that follows you through your life. Your daughter's born, they send you a letter or an email. If something happens, you get a promotion, they're talking to you. Because I've never met a successful salesperson who's been in the game longer than five years and they don't have a stable of people or stories that they can kind of relate to. No, I like that, it's good. I'm, I'm a big fan and it's stuff I like to try and do. Yeah. Um, I actually sent people postcards last Christmas. There you go. Um, 
Yeah. Every, 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 it comes down to the touch. Like I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you need something from me. Just reach out to me directly. The firm that we started here is really steeped in the movie Jerry Maguire. I, I, I personally think it's Tom Cruise's best movie. The main reason is, is just like that candidate, that guy, that guy, that athlete, Todd, at that point, he's an athlete. Everybody, the market thinks he's washed up. They don't need him, but he needs this contract. This contract is going to set him up for the rest of his life. He needs that one agent of change to understand him, believe in him, and go. And the whole movie starts on a manifesto about we should change the game. We should do it right. We should do it like this. And that, that, that human story. And I, growing up as a first generation immigrant, I was like, I want to be the people's champ. I want to do what Jerry Maguire did for this athlete. I want to do it for these African ladies cleaning buildings. I want to do it for these people over there. I want to do it for my people in the future so that young, young kids who are future, or like first generation immigrants and their future is expected to integrate into the society. I want to show them that maybe you weren't dealt the right cards, but I can provide you a system. I can provide you a way to, for you to move up in society. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Jerry Maguire because I, I relate my business back a lot to ballers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the time where he's looking for a new car contract, I think it's Jared, and he's, he's going to the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. and he's like, you gotta show me the love, Yeah, you gotta show me the love, he's like, you know what, I'm not liking it here, I'm not gonna take the contract with you, you haven't shown me the love, and then he turned around and they got a big marching band, and they've really like gone all out to say, look, we want you part of our team, Yeah, and I actually refer to that story as, look, you've got someone coming in to meet you, he's a really good guy, He's in high demand. You got to show him the love. Yeah, it, I, I think, I think now today, actually, I don't think it. I believe it. With the market being so saturated with talent, that the thing that separates you, and again, it sounds crazy to you, is this experience management. Is knowing your people as best as you can, because what separates, like, you can pay a guy a hundred thousand, the next guy's gonna pay him a hundred thousand, right? But why would somebody like you take less money to work with somebody? It's because he's not only showed you the love, but he's giving you a platform. Yeah. And that's that's why in today, like every time I speak at different events or provide presentation, I speak of the, the Japanese art of Shinto. Like Shinto is all about your the Japanese people, their ties to their old legacies, but it's also in a way it's kinda of like an indirect religion because they don't believe in like an afterlife. They believe this is heaven. This could be the best manifestation and we need to live the best life now. Great having you on the show. Thanks, man. Great podcast. Great really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you are listening to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today we had Mo from Mo Berries, uh, co-founder from Mo Berries on the show. Thanks for, thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.